This is Medicine Matters, the Springer Medicine Podcast. Treatment of EGFR-positive non-small cell lung cancer with tyrosine kinase inhibitors is one of the greatest success stories of the targeted cancer therapy era. The Adora trial tested osimertinib, one of the tyrosine kinase inhibitors, as adjuvant therapy in people with early-stage non-small cell lung cancer. Initial findings reported back in 2020 showed significant benefits in terms of disease-free survival and led to FDA approval. However, the effect of osimertinib on overall survival remained an important unknown until the reporting of this secondary endpoint from the Adora study earlier this year. In this episode of Medicine Matters, Dr. Sri Ananda and Dr. Luis Pazarez walk us through the trial findings and their clinical implications. Hello, I'm Sri Ananda, Senior Clinical Content Manager at Springer Medicine, and I am talking to Dr. Luis Pazarez from Spain today about the Adora trial of adjuvant osimertinib in resectable non-small cell lung cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we start, please could you just introduce yourself briefly to our listeners? I am Luis Pazarez. I'm a medical oncologist. I'm having to be the head of the Department of Medical Oncology at the 12th of October University Hospital in Madrid, Spain. Great. Thank you. So as I said, we're going to talk about the ADORA trial. So can we just start with a brief overview of the trial results? Okay. The ADORA trial is a phase three study that actually um, study the uh, role of adjuvant osimertinib for three years in patients that had been resected for uh, non-small cell lung cancer, stage 1b to 3a, and treatment was given for three years. Uh, the main aim points was to see if this anti-EFR treatment was able to uh, reduce the um, relapse rate an impact on survival. Indeed, this treatment of osimertinib, uh, EGFR third-generation tyrosine kinase inhibitor, was able to prevent relapse to happen in those patients with uh, uh, resected non-small cell lung cancer and mutation on the EGFR gene, the classical mutation on exon 19 or exon 21, and uh, it was reducing significantly the, the probability of uh, relapsing, the hazard ratio being 0.2, that means a decrease in the rate of relapse of 80%, and was impacting, uh, of course, in survival as well as we have seen on a recent update of the trial in ASCO 2023, decreasing in more than 50% the, the risk of uh, death. So at the time the DFS results were first reported, there was a lot of discussion about whether the data was sufficient to change practice or whether it was necessary to wait for the overall survival data. And I'm just really curious to find out about which camp you were in. Okay, so at a time... I thought the DFS data were pretty impressive. A different issue is, did I believe that was to result in an increase in survival or even better, on an increase in cure rate? 
to be honest, I was not sure about the uh, the the uh, impact on cure rate. The reason being because uh, the experience we have in tumors with oncogene addictions, treatment with tyrosine kinase inhibitors is really, really difficult to cure the patient disease and therefore I'm somehow doubt that is going to happen. The only circumstance uh, in solid tumors that, in, that has been the case is GIST tumors if treated for very long. A second question was about the impact on overall survival. I thought that good impact on overall survival, at least for patients with uh, uh, stage 3. However, we have to say that uh, the impact on survival could, be, uh, could have uh, two contributing factors. One would be if you're not relapsed, if you decrease the relapse rate, or if you're delaying relapse, you're maybe improving survival. But there is a second factor which is very important, which is how many patients on the control arm are receiving the right treatment, let's say, actualizing kinase of third generation at the time of relapse. And because of the design of the trial, not necessarily patients were to receive osimertinib at the time of uh, relapse. And that could be a contributing factor for overall survival. So now we do have the overall survival results. What do these mean for patients and their physicians? Well, you know, I think the data on DFS were very strong. So you're having a, a chance of relapsing being in the range of 80% uh, at four years for patients that do have stage three. It is really difficult to say this patient is not a candidate for a drug that is reducing so much the rate of relapsing. Even if you were not impacting survival, it is important to prevent relapse. Particularly, let's say, CNS relapse. Uh, those patients with stage 2 and 3A, at uh, five years, 30%, they do have a relapse in CNS. So decreasing the CNS relapse is also a very important endpoint. And if on top of that you're able to really uh, improve survival, as is being shown on uh, the long-term follow-up of this uh, trial, I think this is uh, very relevant for the patient. And I don't think we should deny that possibility of treatment for our patients. As you say, just excellent news for patients with the mutations. Um, but then what do you see as the kind of main challenges to implement this therapy? Because I know testing isn't always done, for example. So I think the main challenge, as you said, is having uh, proper uh, genomic uh, studies at the time of diagnosis. Uh, for example, since we have those results of the Dura trial, we are doing uh, 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 reflex testing uh, for all patients, regardless the stage with uh, non-small cell lung cancer. So uh, those patients with early stage uh, always inform of the molecular aberrations underlying 
their tumors because that has impact in treatment. Uh, the ADORA trial has been the initial proof for that, for, for EFR mutant tumors, but I think there are some others that may be coming. So that is the main challenge. I think we have to do everything we can to uh, ensure uh, uh, we have the result of the EFR mutational profiling for every single patient in early stage because we have to decide if the patient is not or is or not a candidate for uh, osimertinib treatment for three years. Um, and actually that leads very nicely to my next question, which is obviously Adora, the treatment was given for three years. Do you think that is the optimal duration? Honestly, at this stage, I don't think we know what is the optimal duration. Based on prior trials, the Adora trial was designed with treatment for three years. It was thought that durations of treatment for one or two years may be too short. The truth is that looking at the shape of the curve with some increase in the relapse rate after stopping uh, treatment at three years with osimertinib, it has been hypothesized that maybe longer duration may uh, result in further improvement of the outcomes. And indeed, there are trials already uh, testing those hypotheses. So I think it makes all the sense to really uh, study further durations such as five years or so. And then what are the options for patients who progress on osimertinib? Is retreatment feasible? Well, I think so indeed. Uh, uh, in the um, trial itself, out of those patients that relapse on the osimertinib arm in the Adora trial, some 22% were registered to receive further treatment. And in uh, some uh, 76% of the cases was an EFRTKI, uh, 41% being osimertinib. So I think some of those patients, particularly if the uh, uh, treatment-free interval is uh, long, they do have possibilities to uh, respond. Indeed, what I could do uh, would be try, at the time of relapse, trying to do some genomic analysis, liquid biopsy, if needed as well, tumor biopsy, investigate what is the genomic profile of those relapsing tumors, uh, uh, try to see if there are some mechanisms of resistance that I can address, let's say metamplification, um, C1797S mutations, and so on. And depending on that, I will design uh, the best treatment opportunity, adding or not something to osimertinib, or uh, particularly if the patient is progressing while on treatment and is uh, not having a clear uh, opportunity, I may consider as well uh, chemotherapy as an alternative. There are still, I guess, a few things to work out and establish for patients. And um, one thing I really am very curious about is, so if osimertinib starts being used earlier in the course of disease, what impact do you think it might have on its use in later stages of disease where it, you know, it was first showed robust efficacy? Well, you know, of course, uh, if you have used osimertinib in early stage, it may happen that uh, the efficacy 
at the time of rechallenge is uh, uh, somehow decreased, uh, is not lasting for that long, or even the basin is not uh, even responding at all. But I don't think we should uh, uh, be impacted by that. Uh, truly, we have to uh, take uh, mm, uh, as much benefit as, uh, as we can, and if the benefit is larger in earlier stage, I think we should consider treatment early uh, rather than later. And uh, that is my perception. So I typically use treatments when they are more effective. And if they are more effective in early stage, I will use it as compared to later stage. That makes absolute sense. And actually, Dr. Roy Herbst has said this often when he's presented the data at meetings. Um, what? Sorry, this is just a, something that just struck me. Are there other, like fourth generation TKIs being developed? So could that be an option? Absolutely. As I told you, you know, uh, uh, four generations are possibility for particularly for those patients that develop some mutations such as the, the uh, uh, C7I7S, which is uh, one of the mutations that are going to be addressed by those fourth generation TKIs. But also... Uh, we are developing some other alternative treatments, for example, ADCs that had been shown to be pretty effective on patients with EFR mutations, such as uh, patritumab, deruxtecan, but there are some other opportunities as well in this context. So I think we have to develop better drugs, uh, more drugs, so that we are benefiting uh, patients the most. And uh, something that we shouldn't do is use a treatment that is very effective early because we are uh, just reserving that treatment for a later stage. Mm, if the patient requires a treatment at some stage, please do not deny it and reserve it for later. The earlier the better. Yep, that absolutely makes sense. Um, and then my final question is around the sort of financial implications. So, you know, at the moment it's been given for three years. If, as you say, it's tested and given for five years, how does that work out financially? Well, you know, I, I understand that uh, uh, treatments that are carried on for a long time are really impacting the finances of patients and uh, national health services and society in general. That is a relevant issue. To be honest, I decided to be a doctor, being more worried about patient health as compared to the economics of the society. My own opinion is that treatments that are very effective, we have to do anything so that we are supporting patients to receive it. I understand this is going to have consequences. I suppose that uh, we will have the opportunity or the payers, we will have the opportunity to somehow negotiate with the pharma industry to renegotiate prices if treatment are going to be for longer time. I understand some novel TKIs are also coming into the markets, and it could be some competition that typically may impact as well on decreased prices. So there are a number of possibilities that... Uh, should be worked out, but at the end of the day, the important thing is that we assure patients uh, receive their treatments as they need it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. They're the ones that matter. Is there anything else that you think needs to be addressed? So, you know, I mean, in this space, there are a number of uh, things that uh, should be uh, addressed. I'm pretty sure that into the future, we will be a lot better in terms of predicting which patients are benefiting and which patients are not benefiting. In that sense, on the past post-surgical space, likely uh, when the MDR uh, methodology is more sensitive, when we are able to really predict which patients are more likely to have micrometastatic disease as compared to the ones that do not have that risk, we will be able to guide the treatment, the adjuvant treatment, more carefully to our patients. And uh, uh, it would be nice to reserve, for example, osimertinib treatment for those patients that are truly at risk of relapsing and maybe prevent uh, unnecessary treatment for those patients that are not going to relapse at all. And likely ctDNA and uh, uh, measurements are going to be some of the tools that we will use into the future. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals for their ongoing medical education and entertainment. It should not replace the professional advice of a doctor or pharmacist and may not be used as a basis for diagnosis or any change to the prescribed treatment of disease. The views expressed by our moderators and guests are their opinions and do not represent the position of any third parties. The information given in the podcast is subject to change as the scientific field and clinical advances progress.